Last Sunday night, I went and spent uh, two or three hours, actually, with our high school seniors from our youth group here. And I'm just super grateful uh, for the students that we have here and the questions that they asked. You should see these questions. First of all, I thought, we've got some really thoughtful kids. We've got some young adults who are really thinking through things. And, man, there's tough stuff out there. People are wrestling with some really, really hard questions. And they're trying to live for Jesus in a godly way, in an incredibly confusing world. And to see these students who want to live for Jesus, I just think, man, what a blessing. Now, they ask lots of really hard questions, sort of like, man, what do you do in that situation? That's tricky. One of them that was maybe not as hard, but super important, and this is why I'm talking about this this morning, is one of the questions was asked in light of people who may be going away to college in the fall. The question was, how do you go about finding a new church? If you're gonna go look for a new church, and many of these students have never had the experience of choosing a church for themselves, and the question was, what should we look for in a church? And I thought, well, that's a great question. That's a great question not just for graduating high school seniors, But it's a great question for all of us to think through, well, what kind of church should Calvary be? And if you know somebody looking for a church, somebody you love, what kind of church should you tell them to look for? Now, of course, the obvious answer is one where Jesus is present. But what are the evidences of where Jesus is present? How do you help somebody discern that? And the more I thought about it, I thought, well, this is not just a great question to think about church. This is a great question to think about lots of things like Okay, there are schools out there, there are government agencies, there's political stuff going on, there's NGOs, there's parachurch ministries. There's lots of people doing lots of good things in this world. How do you know which of those things where the kingdom of God is present? How do you know when the spirit is at work? How do you know that this is the thing, Jesus is doing this and I want to participate in this? What are the signs or the evidences that this church this school, this parachurch ministry, this government thing, that the kingdom of God is at work in and through this. So what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to ask you to take a Bible. If you don't have one, there should be one in the rack in front of you. And turn to Matthew chapter 12, which is page 793 in these church Bibles. And what we'd like to do this morning is look at a long passage of Scripture and answer the question, what are the signs that something, a church, an organization, a school, has the kingdom of God present in our midst? Where is the spirit at work? How do we discern what Jesus is doing? Now in Matthew chapter 12, that's page 793, we're gonna look at a very long section of scripture. There's lots and lots of stuff in this section. We're gonna go from verse 22 all the way to the end of the chapter. One approach would be we could take all of these verses and preach weeks and weeks on all of them, and that would be very, very valid. But as I was laying out the sermon series and praying through it, it felt like when I got to this section, the Lord really wanted us not to miss the forest because of the trees. And so we're gonna take this entire section at once and use all of it because it actually interrelates and use it to try to answer the question, where is the kingdom of God present among us today? 
So let me start reading in verse 22. And would you please follow along as I read this long section of scripture. Then they brought Jesus a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for the tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the, was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother 
and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. It's a long section of scripture, but together in this passage, I think we have four signs of where the kingdom of God is present. So if we're asking the question, the Christian school that you might be attending for college, uh, this government organization you're wondering, is this uh, is the Lord at work here? This church trying to find a church, how do we know where the kingdom of God is present? We're looking for four things. Number one, we're looking for spiritual power as opposed to simply temporarily ordered lives. All four of these are going to be stated in terms of a contrast. In the first part of our story, Jesus casts a demon out of a man, and the demon has been causing the man to be both blind and mute. And when Jesus orders the demon to leave, the man is able to both see and speak, and everybody is astonished. The Pharisees, though, think, oh, he did this with Satan's power. Jesus says, uh, that's nonsense. If Satan was in the middle of a civil war, his kingdom would fall. But he says in verse 28, but if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now contrast that with verses 43 to 45. There we're told of a person whose life is a mess because of demonic darkness that is present, but then it seems that the demon leaves that person and for a season, it looks to outward appearance as if this person's life has gotten sort of better, things are more ordered, but it's only kind of temporary. The demon then returns with seven worse and what seemed to be outwardly clean, temporarily ordered life is then plunged into something much worse than it was before. And the point is, is where the kingdom of God is present, you have the spirit of God doing powerful things. You have people being miraculously healed. You have people experiencing spiritual power and freedom from darkness. You have people who are being motivated to serve the Lord by the spirit. Now look, you can go into a church and find people being guilted into serving. You can find people giving legalistically uh, their tithes and offerings because they're like, well, I have to do this. To outward appearance, that might look like a spirit-filled church. But Jesus says, that's just a church that's kind of cleaned up its act. What we're looking for is people moved by the Spirit to volunteer to serve. We're looking for people who are brought under conviction by the Spirit, not because of legalistic guilt. We're looking for people who want to give above and beyond what they've been asked to give because the Spirit is moving in their heart. Have you ever heard of the term addiction replacement? Experts who work with people who have addictions say, there is such a thing where you can take somebody who's an alcoholic and they simply transfer their addiction from alcohol to work. And they're no longer an alcoholic, but they're a workaholic. That's verses 43 to 45. From outward appearance, society would say, good job, well done. But that's not a sign of the Spirit of God. They're just simply filling the emptiness that they once filled with alcohol. Now with work, alcoholic and workaholic, neither one of those is a sign of the Spirit of God. 
You can have the same thing, someone who can be addicted to sex, you can just simply transfer that addiction to physical exercise or to fitness. That's verses 43 to 45. What we're looking for is, is the spirit present? Is someone moving from being an alcoholic to being a fully devoted follower of Jesus who no longer sort of finding their sort of protection or esteem or comfort in alcohol, but instead in serving and loving others. A church where the kingdom of God is present is filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Did you hear Michelle's testimony? How the Spirit continued to pursue him He wouldn't let him go. This was not a, hey, look, I decided to do this program and my New Year's resolution was I was going to be a better person and I did it for a couple of months. That would be great, but that is not a sign of the Spirit. The Spirit's presence is, I will not let this guy go until I change his life. That's what you're looking for. You're not looking for nicely ordered lives for a short season. You're looking for transformation that the Spirit brings about. You know, we see this, uh, the sort of difference between kind of what Satan does and what the Holy Spirit does. When it comes to the plagues in Egypt, this is back in the book of Exodus, God picks a fight with Satan via Pharaoh. And this is going to be a sort of display of power, God versus Satan. And interestingly, the way the story is told, now if I had told it, I would have just been like, and God completely destroyed him. But the way it's told is that Pharaoh's got these magicians, And these magicians are able to do some stuff. So Moses does some things on God's behalf, and then for a while, the magicians are able to do some stuff using demonic power. And the point is, Satan has some power available to him. But the amazing thing is, if you go back and read the 10 plagues, there are a couple of things that's evident that Satan can't or won't do. The magicians sort of match Moses, kind of miracle for miracle, until you get to the plague of gnats. It says specifically that the magicians drop out. Why? Because what's happened is is that dust is being transformed into gnats, and Satan can't create life. He doesn't have that power. And so God lets him stick with him for a while and then shows you can't do this. And the other thing Satan can't do, it's really fascinating because Pharaoh's got these seemingly powerful magicians, but even from the very beginning when the Nile turns to blood, every time Pharaoh needs to be rescued from a plague, who does he go to? He goes to Moses and to God. Because Satan doesn't clean stuff up. He's happy to transfer an addiction from alcohol to work, but he doesn't clean anything up. He does not rescue people. When you see spiritual transformation, that is a sign of the Spirit. Lots of people can bring some level of structure or order to their life for a season. But when you see transformation when you see miraculous healing, when you see people wanting to give, people wanting to serve, people being different than who they were. We're looking for that. And when you see that, you know the kingdom of God is present. Number two, we're looking for good fruit as opposed to empty, unproductive words. Verse 30, whoever is not with me is against me, 
and whoever does not gather with me scatters. The activity that Jesus is always involved in is gathering. He's always trying to gather people. This is the good fruit he's talking about in verse 33. The opposite of that, verse 36, I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. The word for empty means unproductive, unfaithful, or evil. And the contrast here is what we're looking for in a school, in a church, in a parachurch ministry, in a political organization. If the kingdom of God is present, you're going to have a spirit of wanting to gather people in. You're looking for a spirit of hospitality, a spirit of invitation, of encouragement. Is the gospel being proclaimed, people being invited? Come be part of the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus does. He does not want to push people away. He wants to invite them in. And what you're looking for is a place and a people who are extending hospitality, who have a ministry to refugees, who have an attitude and a heart of encouragement and love and compassion, who are throwing open the doors and welcoming every different kind of person. Come and find Jesus. Come and find rest for your soul. The opposite of that is empty, unproductive words. If you've got a group of people where they're always saying, oh yeah, we should have you over, but never actually invite you over. Or, oh yeah, I, I got, I, I'll give you a call, or I'll send you a text, or I'll send you, but never actually send a text or give a call. Those are empty, unproductive words. If you're part of a group where what is being promoted is malicious nonsense, or gossip, or conspiracies, if you go to a rally and the point is to end up being fearful or hate other people, that is not the kingdom of God. Now you might be there as a light to the darkness, but if you're looking for where is the kingdom at work, proud words, selfish words, hateful words, gossipy words, angry words, empty words, that's the kingdoms of this world where the kingdom of God is present, there's welcoming words, there's hospitality, there's faithfulness, there's invitations, there's opening up, sharing of lives, there is the proclamation of the gospel which is the good news that every single person is being invited by Jesus to have their sins forgiven and to receive eternal life. It's welcome. Jesus says, I'm here to gather. And if you're not doing that, the kingdom of God is not present. Third, what you're looking for is repentance versus unresponsiveness. Verse 38. <clears throat> then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Now one of the reasons why we took this whole passage together is when you've heard this entire passage together and you hear them say, teacher, we want to see a sign from you, what would you be thinking? You just saw one. There was a man who couldn't see and couldn't speak. And Jesus comes, casts out the demon, and the man can now see and speak. And what is the Pharisee's response? We'd like to see a sign. 
What more are you looking for? The same thing happens in Mark's gospel, but it comes after the feeding of the 4,000. Jesus miraculously feeds 4,000 people, and then the Pharisees are like, when are you going to show us a sign? And Jesus says, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. Now let's be very careful here. It's not that a sign is bad. He just did a sign. The Gospel of John is built on seven signs that Jesus does so that people might believe. The problem with the Pharisees is that they're asking for a sign after seeing one. A famous juggler, uh, you know, juggler, performer, was once asked, you know, like how many chainsaws, balls, bowling pins, torches, you know, like that you're juggling, like... What's the number that, you know, kind of the, the audiences want to see when you're sort of a professional juggler? When are people satisfied? Like, good job. And his answer was, when you do one more. <laughs> Whatever number you can do, they always want to see you do one more. If you ask these Pharisees, how many signs are necessary for you to believe in Jesus? Their answer would be, one more. That's the unresponsiveness. Jesus' reply is, well, what about Jonah? The sign of Jonah, there's multiple things that work here, but the sign of Jonah in this passage is Jonah was leaving and running away from the Lord, going to Tarshish when he was supposed to go to Nineveh. God threw him into the belly of a fish, and Jonah repented and then went to Nineveh. He did something with God's message. The people of Nineveh will also rise up at judgment because when Jonah got there and proclaimed that judgment was coming, they didn't just say, oh yeah, that's nice. They repented and changed their ways. And the queen of the south, this sub-Saharan black woman who comes, the queen of Sheba who comes to Israel, she comes there and she sees all this stuff that Solomon is doing and she repents and changes her mind about God and becomes a believer. The difference here is where is the kingdom of God present? Where you see changes of heart. Where people repent. Where people hear the gospel and it's not just sort of, well, those are gospel words. They actually have their life changed. They want to, I want to believe that. When leaders are willing to confess, hey, look, we messed up here. We shouldn't have done this. That's how you know you have the kingdom of God present. When people in a small group say to somebody, hey, look, you gotta stop behaving that way. And a person in the small group is like, you're right, thank you. That's the kingdom of God. Where is the kingdom of God not present? When there is a message and everybody just simply leaves and says, that was very interesting. That's what the Pharisees did. They're just simply analyzing, and Jesus is like, the analysis is over. It's time for you to do something. You've just seen this sign. The response is to repent. And so if you're part of a group where it's just, it's a lot of talk, and nobody seems to do anything. If there's a lot of like, well, we should do this, and we should do this, but nobody ever actually does anything. If there's never, if it's always somebody else's fault, if we're always pointing fingers at everybody else and never saying, you know what, the problem is me. If the leadership is never able to own, hey look, we didn't do this right. When the kingdom of God is present, the response to the move of the spirit is repentance. Not unresponsiveness. Last one. 
the kingdom of God is present when you see people being prioritized who are dedicated to God's will as opposed to playing favorites. In this last story, Jesus' mother and brother show up while he's teaching. And the person who talks to them thinks, oh, I bet he wants to know that his mom and brothers are here. So Jesus, he kind of interrupts the teaching and says, hey, Jesus, I know you're teaching something very important, but your mom and your brothers are here. And Jesus' response is, that's great. But who are my mother and my brothers? Those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And if you find a church, if you find an organization, if you find a school claiming to be a Christian school, but they play favorites with the rich, if they give special treatment to the powerful, if those who are in positions of leadership are never held to account for sin, if there's never any church discipline, like, well, that, that family is really powerful. If the people who are elders or are filling the positions are all related to one another. If the only people who are in these positions are those who are kind of part of the old boys group. That is not a sign of the kingdom of God playing favorites. If everybody looks the same, acts the same, comes from the same background, if you got to be from the same community, if you got to say things in the exact same way, that is not a sign of the kingdom of God. Where the kingdom of God is present, if people who are doing God's will, if those are the people who are picked for stuff, if those are the people who are put in positions, if those are the people, if you look around and go, well, we got people here from every different background, every different country, we got people here of different ages, we got people here of different experiences, the kingdom of God is where God's will is being done. And that is not just one nation or one culture or one people or one background. And so if you go into a group, if you go into a church, if you go in... And it's simply like, wow, man, everybody here looks the same, acts the same, and seems to be related to one another. That's probably not the kingdom of God. And if you go into a place and say, we don't care how rich you are, we don't care how powerful you are, we don't care what your background is, if you're doing God's will, we got a place for you. And if you're not, we still want you to be here but we're not going to make you an elder. We're not going to make you a leader. We're not going to put you in position of influence because the people who are prioritized here are those who are doing God's will. So this is what you're looking for. Now I will be the first to admit and probably know it better than anybody else that Calvary falls short of these. But this is what we aspire to be. This is who we want to be as a church. We have to confess when we don't do these things, but this is what we're going after. If you're going away to college in the fall and you're looking for a church, that's what you want to look for. If you're part of a school that claims to be a Christian school and you want to know is the kingdom of God actually present here, this is what you're looking for. Now, if you're at a public school, you're probably not going to find the kingdom of God. You're probably there to be the kingdom of God. And this is the kind of person you want to be. If you want to align yourself with a political organization and you want to know, is the kingdom of God present? That's what you're looking for. If a parachurch ministry asks you to support them and be part of what's going on, that's what you're looking for. And again, there's not going to be, you're not going to find a parachurch ministry that does all of these things perfectly. But if you find these four things, if you find spiritual power as opposed to simply kind of people trying to get their lives in order, 
If you find the actual fruit of gathering people in, of hospitality, of welcoming, of the sharing of the gospel and inviting people to be saved, if you find genuine repentance, people being cut to the heart, people wanting to change their ways, people responding to the message of God, and if you find a place where whoever's doing God's will, those are the people that are put in positions of influence and authority and leadership, even if they don't do it perfectly, the kingdom of God is present, the Holy Spirit is at work, and that's a thing you want to be associated with.